0: Thank you To the Quantum Shit Show with Jody Bo and Danny. You have your hosts here, Jody Bo and Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we're excited to be back. We are no longer sharing space with one another physically, but we are um, sharing space energetically and online, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, we finally have our mic set up. Just in case anyone was wondering, just in case anybody could tell, <laughs> we, our out. we we got our quantum shit together um, at some level, and I'd say we are excited to bring another episode mm-hmm. of discussion, uh, questions, wonderings, ponderings, musings, opinions, all the opinionings. <laughs> Um, Yeah. And I guess we'll jump right into it. Hopefully you guys are uh, having a wonderful day, a wonderful evening, wherever you are in the world. I just want to shout out to all of our viewers and our support. Super grateful for each of you. And I'm grateful for you too, right here with me. (laughs) So we've been having a little pre-discussion. As always. Um, just in connecting with one another, checking in and something that has been swirling around for each one of us in its own way. Um, as we dive into newer healing processes, um, or revisit healing processes that we have walked through on a level, um, being exposed to new information, different modalities, new people, new conversations. Um, kind of bringing it all to the table we are experiencing the application of those new things Mm -hmm. in the old things so I think we each I think it's safe to say we each have walked a path of experiencing all kinds of healing descriptions um, but also the things that not only describe What healing is, but what wounding is too. Mm -hmm. Just hearing a myriad of different uh, descriptions, terminologies, explanations. And something that we're talking around and on the topic of is energetic siphoning. Mm -hmm. And the perspective that we want to kind of dig into a little bit more, have some discussion around would be whenever it comes to The nervous system and anchoring all of these things, as usual, like we talk about on this show, uh, anchoring all these things into a practical sense. Mm -hmm. I think it's safe to say that each of us have had our experience with something that felt like it was entirely spiritual. And I know that we've talked about things in everyday life being spiritual. But what I mean just now in saying entirely spiritual has been the things that don't have an explanation, the things that are rooted in their mystery and that's where their luster kind of comes from.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think that there's been a really tender <laughs> process of seeing some of the things that felt so magical um, be described accurately and observed or measured and it almost like took the luster away I'll say for myself even for just an instant but then there's this re-emergence based in facts based in mm-hmm. objective reality mm-hmm. at least as far as it goes in our experience that we share but there's this reemergence of that uh specialty that magic that that uh Love and light, so to speak, <laughs> that we kind of fell in love with whenever it came to the spiritual path and talking about the nervous system and discussing everything that we've been learning.
1: Well, I want to say too that you're pointing out that, you know, when the when the science behind the things that had been held as mysterious revealed itself and we began to understand that there was some foundation to it and it kind of zapped the luster for a moment, you know, until we could regroup around it. I have to say for myself that even in the moments of those things like becoming more substantial in my life and it like evaporating the mystery around it, I had to acknowledge that at the time that that mystery was even speaking to something. When I when I fell in love with the mystery, it was because it was speaking to something that I had been experiencing that had never even been addressed before. <clears> until <throat> that moment, the mystery came along. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's just about it's just about the constant um, unfolding of this information and what we know, and so it's. It's very easy to like go back and be like, well, that was ridiculous. I can't even believe I believed that or I can't even believe that I let myself get caught up. But the fact of the matter is for me, I know I can say that when it came along in my life, there was so much other cloudiness in my life that it felt like an answer. You know, it felt like, oh, well, this explains blah, 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 blah. Right. And then come to find out there was more to understand about that thing. Like I didn't I wasn't allowed to just like park my car there and hang out and be like, and now I'll just camp out here because this is going to be fine. It was like, well, no, actually I really want the truth. So guess what? That means all these other things are going to be shattered too.
0: So mm-hmm. well said.
2: <laughs> Thank you. for me, um, I think that it was just really validating whenever I started to recognize and understand the science behind a lot of the things that we've come in contact with a lot of the concepts that we learn about and talk about often in the quantum community. Like, um, well, in any spiritual community, I think, you know what I mean? So um, it was exciting and validating for me because I'm like, oh, there is a foundation of like evidence that backs this stuff up that we're experiencing and and there's an explanation for it. And yeah, it did kind of take the luster away. It took some of the magic away But at first. But then I think it's even more magical whenever I feel like everything can be kind of um, intertwined in a very natural way because to me that makes it more real because everything in nature is really intertwined in that way you know
1: yeah i think that um what happens sometimes for people is whenever that mysterious magical whatever it is idea philosophy way of perceiving the world um comes into contact with what's true and then it it is shown as okay. Well, foundationally, this is what you're talking about. You're saying it like this. You're using this word. Science being brought to this place of mystery, and then giving like a foundational um, space for what these things are, and helping us better define them. Right? It's just like a redefinition of things. Is all it is. It's like, oh, we used to call it this, but we're understanding now this is really what it was, and this is this is how they're partnered up or they're linked up. They're the same thing, but. We were using this term that kept it very away from us. It kept it outside of us. And what we're doing now and having these conversations is bringing those concepts into um, a more embodied place. That's all we're doing, you know? And so it can feel like, um, speaking to what you were saying, Bo, and what I addressed at first, Danica, you're saying that foundation helped solidify it for me. It helped me feel more like I'm not a crazy person. Mm-hmm. all these things or feeling these things. Cause there's actual evidence for it, which I can totally resonate with. And I think what happens sometimes is that we get caught up in the mystery because we are trying to cope mm-hmm. and our coping mechanism gets stripped from us because we're like, well, actually it's down here on the ground. We're not going to keep floating up there in the air. We're actually going to bring it down here to reality. And we're going to show you the foundational nature of this thing. And that can be jarring to people when they've been in a state of coping or dissociation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If it's outside of our body, it just means we're hanging out there too. If, it's, a, if yeah. it's something that we don't fully understand and we're calling it magic, but we don't take the time to understand the magic, then we're trying to hang out in the ether with the concept, which means we're mm-hmm. not embodied, you know? So if we start bringing truth to it, it snaps us back into our bodies. And it's like, we don't like being here. This is a scary place. You know, I've been trying to avoid this my whole life. So. I,
0: I definitely will admit that I have had some hurt feelings <laughs> around this whole thing. <laughs> I Once or twice, or thrice. Thrice. Definitely thrice. <laughs> Been in my feelings about it. Um, and, you know, it, it felt subtle, too. It wasn't like uh, the world comes crashing down. And I totally agree with what you both are saying, because that's kind of the space that I'm in now being able to talk about some stuff. And um, I feel like I've always kept a pretty good support system around. And there, there have been things like quantum physics, um, <laughs> just adding more information, like Danica, like you said, to the spiritual experiences that I was already having quantum physics. And then like reading all kinds of different, um, origin stories, learning more about things that we've talked about, like ancestral memory and how that can look like past life uh, influences, you know, having done past life regressions and then going and talking to people about it and being like, I remember my past life. Like, wow, wow, wow. It's so amazing. Cause it is. And then learning about how some of these things can be totally <laughs> manipulated or manufactured. And then learning that, this is just the way that it's supposed to, not the manufacturing or the manipulation necessarily, but realizing that these memories are meant to be passed on. And it doesn't always mean that it was me who held this space.
2: This is making me think, (laughs) I have to laugh at myself. (laughs) This is making me think of a time whenever I was told by somebody (laughs) who's a psychic, that I had a fear of drowning because I had drowned in a past life. I went around telling everyone that I had drowned in a past life, and that's why I was afraid of drowning, and then then remembered in a session that Jody and I were facilitating for a group of women that my birth trauma was me literally drowning in the womb fluids with the cord wrapped around my <laughs> neck. Oh and I went God. around, and I went around telling everyone that what this psychic told me. I drowned in a past life. That's why I'm afraid of drowning. And it's like, no, you are afraid of drowning because your birth trauma was you drowning. God dang. <laughs>
1: that's so funny. It's not funny. Have, it is funny.
2: funny. No, it's funny because we have to laugh. Well,
0: I have to laugh, laugh at it. myself. Yeah, you can laugh about it now. So that's that means you're healing.
2: <laughs> I have to laugh at myself for this. For the stuff that I like, I really believe, but I believed it because somebody who was a psychic told me, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know.
0: I think it's really interesting too, because all of the warrior mentality and I've seen it in men and women, but even like someone like past life stuff has been like, you are a warrior in this. <laughs> like before I ever had a quantum session, I would do like past life regressions with that one guy who like started doing all those things. I don't remember his name. Babe, you would know. Oh, yeah.
1: He wrote the book, Many Lives, Many Masters. I can't think
2: of anything. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah. I, know, I can't remember his I've name done, either. I but have done past
1: life progression. Yeah.
2: So, so yeah.
0: And then you go into those spaces, you go into the garden, and you're just in the garden or whatever, you know <laughs> what I mean? And, and then all of a sudden, it's like you're going to open the door. And then you're going to have your little past life thing. And usually you fall asleep, uh, but every now and then you start having this, like, vision. And you, for me, it was, like, colonial times, and you were this, like – warrior and you were friends with the native americans and (laughs) you were like a rebel like john smith (laughs) like from pocahontas you know what i mean i'm like am i is this happening because i've seen pocahontas right (laughs) or yeah but then eventually i start realizing like wow um the 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 trick is that because of generational memory we can also receive generational trauma Mm -hmm. epigenetics we receive the imprint of the lives our parents lived and the decisions they made Mm -hmm. and that expression babe like you say can change any day depending on how we are carrying or perceiving our wounds or our healing and yeah it's just a trip because these uh these experiences that were pieced together in all kinds of different ways at the time that I only saw flashes or glimpses of. And I took them at face value and I said, this is everything to me. I created importance around it.
1: Uh
0: Um, And I'd say that it could have been important, but I definitely created more importance around it. And I let it describe me now. Uh, As those things started to kind of like crumble, I started realizing like, wow, they're really made of nothing. (laughs) It doesn't hold up. As you start to apply it in this scenario or with this information, now we have new understanding. Does this thing still hold up at the level that I created it to be? Mm -hmm. You know, is it still what I made it? And most of the time it's no. (laughs) And then, like in that dark night of the soul or that uh, disintegration, the reemergence happens like what has been called a rebirth or whatever but then it's like that light at the end of the tunnel you realize like oh god is still here oh the essence of what i really loved about this thing is still a part of me or whatever it was and maybe what i loved about it was that it validated my wounds and that may not be there right <laughs> and that's the emotion it's like dang, this thing can't validate some of my self-destructive core beliefs anymore <laughs> and that's where my feelings get hurt and now i have to find a new way to cope and Maybe in the long That's run, it. it's a more healthy way to cope, but there's that feeling of like, somebody took something from me.
1: hmm <laughs> hmm It's the, uh, yep.
0: Which may be a good segue into what we were talking about with energetic siphoning.
2: <laughs> yeah, so what we were, um, what Jody and I had been kind of uh, teasing apart, I say that now all the time, <laughs> thank you, Colin. Um, what we've been kind of teasing apart is comparing and contrasting what we call energetic siphoning with um, a process called uh, nervous system code dysregulation and the similarities between the two. So it's my um, understanding that nervous system code dysregulation is the science behind what we call energetic siphoning.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. Based on what we've talked about, I agree with that. And you just shared your post about all of this, um, in, in, in a limited and specific way. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not the end all be all of understanding code dysregulation, regulation, but, um, it made a lot of sense with regard to in spiritual communities, the things that happen, um, between people who are receiving maybe healing sessions and the one that's doing the healing and I'm using air quotes, um, as well as just being in connection with each other. And um, it actually caused me to think a lot about this code dysregulated state and what we've called energetic siphoning. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, really what we're talking about, I think, is getting into a space with someone. Because this used to happen to me in a relationship that I was in. I would get into a space with this person where there was conversation going on. And the conversation was one-sided and they were doing all the talking and inevitably they would start looping in conversation that had already been had many, many times and they were looping back through a train of thought or a past experience or whatever. And it was like droning on and on and on. And I'm telling you, I felt like I was being imprisoned in that moment. Like I felt like I was being trapped in the conversation and there was no exit. I was like, where's the exit sign? I got to find the exit out of this conversation. And I would feel like I couldn't go anywhere and I would dissociate. I would completely shut down in my body while it was going on. Of course my nervous system was doing that for me saying like, nope, we cannot Process all this bullshit. We can't survive it. And so it shut me down. And I would leave that interaction every time feeling completely drained. Mm -hmm. I felt like I needed to take a nap. I felt like I had no energy. And I would say this is before I'd really come into the spiritual community. I would say that's what I have often likened to energetic siphoning, where you just feel like the life has been sucked right out of Mm -hmm. you, you know? People
2: sometimes call this stealing codes, too.
1: Yes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. She's stealing
2: my codes.
1: Yeah. Oh, man, they've they've accused people of doing it even in session work. Like, they got into the field and they stole my codes while they were in the field. And they did this and that. We've heard people do that Mm -hmm. so many times. And it's bizarre. Um, But anyway, I'm saying that because... I'm thinking about it in terms of this co-dysregulation, you know, because that person in my space had a dysregulated nervous system. They were looping in a rut energetically, mentally, and in their system. And then projecting that into my system, which I was giving consent to by being a part of the conversation. And it opened me up to being like literally knocked sideways in a space. Mm -hmm. Right. So, um, you said this too, in your post, Annika, it's like, in that moment of exchange, right? So, if somebody's going and seeking a healing uh, session with a trained air quotes practitioner, and then they get knocked sideways through the session, they may not even recognize it as being dysregulated in that moment because they think this is what it's supposed to look like to heal, right? And <clears throat> God, what a deception! What a what <laughs> a dangerous deception! And it makes me think about people being in the space with people that I personally know um, are struggling with their own trauma and Mm -hmm. either acknowledging it, mostly trying to cover it up and act like it's not there, but sitting in spaces with those people and I'm thinking about it and I'm like, and then they go out into their life and their life looks upside down or their relationships are really shitty or, you know, they can't, They can't find their balance. They can't find their footing anywhere. You know, Um, they're not satisfied at home. They're not satisfied in their work. They're not satisfied in their relationships. And yet they're doing all this healing work. And then Mm -hmm. they spin these narratives of, gosh, this opened up a whole can of worms for me because it opened up this whole thing. And like how in this co dysregulated state that these communities get built and Mm -hmm. everyone is co dysregulating with one
2: another. Mm -hmm. You Go said ahead.
1: something to me though, about it, because you were saying like, this is how trauma is. Um, I don't think you said imparted, but it was like,
2: you were saying. It's shared. Yeah, yeah. Trauma is shared between individuals. And I think what's so important about what you were just saying, Jody, is you were, um, these people who are seeking healing, they're not actually getting it. They're being taught dissociation as a coping mechanism is what they're being taught. Um, when they go into these spaces, right? And um, in my post, I was specifically talking about using uh, fantasy worlds like Avalon and other timelines, like biblical timelines or whatever, and identifying as character role play in these timelines as a form of dissociation, as a coping mechanism. And people are consenting to go into these healing spaces with these, air quotes, practitioners And their nervous system is not detecting any threat because they're, you know, they're going into a space with a trained professional, they think, you know what I mean, who (laughs) is supposed to be trained in the healing arts, but, you know, so they're, yeah, it's like their neuroception and their nervous system is not detecting a threat. So um, they're going into it not knowing what is happening and then Then two nervous systems are trying to co-regulate with one another, but one of them is hyper dysregulated. The other one is probably also dysregulated, right? Because most people who are seeking healing are dysregulated. (laughs) And so it's two dysregulated nervous systems trying to co-regulate with one another. And the one that is hyper um, dysregulated who is in the position of authority in that dynamic is teaching the other one to dissociate. For safety, because that's how that person feels safe, right? Mm-hmm. So then they're like, "Oh, you were so and so in this timeline. You're, you're doing, uh, like you you have codes in this timeline or whatever." And what I hear so often are people leaving these types of, air quotes, healing sessions, and then they're in a they're spiraling out in a tailspin and purging for like two weeks because their nervous system is actually becoming dysregulated, and then they experience paranoia around people stealing their codes or entities trying to attack them, or they've been told they have a target on their back because of the codes that they carry. <laughs> um, and they are are also experiencing hypervigilance around having to shield their space all the time, protect their space, scanning the fields all the time. And then they continue to book these sessions with this person, right? They continue to book sessions, which is habitually, chronically teaching them to dissociate for safety. Yep. To go into these other fantasy worlds because that's where their true identity is. Yep. Right? And it only takes about three to four months, according to nervous system experts, for you to completely rewire your psychological characteristics by chronically dissociating. Right. So these people are chronically dissociating in these sessions, and then they're basically being... Um, what we would call in in the quantum community, programmed, they're being programmed, um, which is a type of MK Ultra, right? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's a type <laughs> um, of, yeah,
0: brainwashing for sure. Yeah,
2: through through, uh, like trauma based. Like interfacing through the nervous system because the nervous system is actually what patterns the brain. This is why mind hacking and um, a lot of personal development stuff doesn't work long term because trauma is stored in the body and not in the mind. So, if we address the trauma stored in the body and actually begin to heal that and regulate the nervous system, it will repattern the mind accordingly because the mind is going to be a reflection of the state of the nervous system. So, (laughs) <laughs> exactly. And so um, one thing that I noticed in me uh, personally, and then I'm sure other people can also relate, I know that you can relate, Jody, because you were just sharing it, but a, a particular friendship that I had, um, like before I was really um, heavily involved in this relationship with this person, I was a literal athlete. Like, I was hiking like mountains, 14ers. I hiked 110 miles through Europe, um, like with a 30 pound pack. I was like training yoga and hit like 12 classes a week. I was probably overtraining, honestly. Um, And that's a whole other story, (laughs) but (laughs) um, as movement as escapism, but. Anyway, my body was very strong. I was an athlete. And then having been in a relationship with this person, I started noticing my health deteriorating. Um, and I did, granted, part of that about midway through um, like the the pinnacle of our relationship, I did have um, a freak accident where I was exposed to carbon monoxide. And that, that really sent me plummeting into the valley of Health, health disorders um, but it had been declining up until that point and I recognize now that because the stress response the hypervigilance the paranoia the um, the, the dysregulation the co dysregulation that was happening between me and this other person was keeping my body in a constant state of uh, stress response' a sympathetic response of flight uh, fight flight freeze or fawn and um for me it was like the paranoia of people stealing my codes, you know and then like <laughs> um hypervigilance having to scan my space and stuff like that because there was because this person always tell, told me that something was trying to steal my codes or someone was running black magic on me or something was happening you know and um so my my autonomic nervous system was sending all of my energy to that response but we have to understand that the autonomic nervous system runs every involuntary system in the body. So cardiovascular health, respiratory health, sexual reproduction health, like all of this blood pressure, um, digestion, everything is run by the autonomic nervous system, every automatic response in the body. And then those systems begin to, um, they begin to degrade mm-hmm. if we're in a heightened state of <clears throat> stress response because all of our energy in our body is being sent to run the stress response and keep it on twenty four seven. Right? We're never coming. We're never being deactivated from it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is also now that I just said that, um, it's making me question what activation is because we hear that a lot in this community too, like, oh, she's being activated or I'm going to activate you or whatever. But in in the realm of the nervous system, activation of that stress response brings on hyper arousal. And I think that's what people feel excitement whenever they are getting air quotes and activation, Mm -hmm. right? But in the realm of the nervous system, we want our nervous system to deactivate and come back into parasympathetic response, which is rest, digest, um, you know, social bonding, things like that. Yeah. And if we're constantly in a state of activation, we're not coming down from that peak. Yeah. And I think, you know, so th-
1: I think, too, like, uh, in another way of describing it, um, with regard to polyvagal theory it's that ventral vagal phase where we feel anchored we feel grounded we feel at ease mm-hmm. we feel peace there's space being created and of course we cannot sit in those spaces all day long right i mean we are going to move in and out of these mm-hmm. phases of the systems but i think more than anything it's about learning how to do that with like with ease right like mm-hmm. learning how to pull ourselves back and forth and i agree with you about the activation conversation, because as we have continued to learn about our own nervous systems and do healing work around our own nervous systems, I have also had this question come up about the activation thing. You and I just had a a little chat about it the other day uh, through the quantum shit show um, page. And I was thinking about that word activation, exactly what you're saying. It's like, well, is that what we want to do? We want to activate people's systems? Like, no, I don't think so. Not like yeah. that. Not in that way. Because I think it can send people into a tailspin. You know, I think what we really want to do is—I <laughs> don't remember what word I used. I didn't say activation. Oh, I said I think we want to regulate people. <laughs> we don't want to. We don't <laughs> want to activate. Them. We want to regulate them. You know, it's like—and not that we can, but we can be. Um, participants in people's ability to regulate themselves, right? Mm-hmm. The only way we can do that is if we do our own healing work. Otherwise we're going to co-dysregulate. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, and out. I think, and I think activation is fine because I think that that also denotes a certain excitability, um, like get excited about something, feel inspired by something, you know, um, that brings us out of a relaxation state whenever we feel inspired to change or do something or whatever. But you know, we we have to, just like you said, um, move in and out of that like a dynamic experience with ease. Yeah. We don't want to stay in that activated space like that because from a like biological standpoint, it's not sustainable. Right. Okay. This is also making me think about shedding too and what it means when we're talking about like shedding and how that's really just like energy, like discharge, like trauma discharge from the nervous system. Mm-hmm.
0: This is what I was thinking whenever you were talking about activations is that Most of the time, it's just a clearing. (laughs) The more activations, quote unquote, that we've actually done, because we've done a ton of them, Um, every prayer can be what some have called activations and more, some of the more formal, quote unquote, activations. Now, I feel like putting it in quotes, but I'm just going to say it. Yeah. Some of the more formal activated settings. Mm Um that I can think of in like the spiritual or healing community <laughs> would be more of a, a remembrance
1: mm-hmm.
0: or a reawakening, especially when it comes to DNA talking about multidimensional DNA. We've heard 12 strand DNA. I don't know that much about that. I know <laughs> what I've heard about it. Um, but from my own experience, my understanding of being like this multidimensional being, And even our physical body being anchored in this realm, this reality where things are very physical through light and sound being, uh, existing in many dimensions, we're experiencing many dimensions Mm -hmm. with all of the bits and pieces of information. Why we call it the quantum shit show, (laughs) because it's like, we're living this life where our body is like, okay, this is like my, my zone, you know, but then there's all these other things that we're picking up on perceiving that are actually moving through what we call other dimensions, right? They're being experienced or being uh, transmitted at levels that we can't necessarily see with these eyes. Some, some people can't. um, But I think about the activations and I'm like feeling into what you're saying, Danica. And I'm remembering those spaces because, um, that's something that we regularly do. And yeah, it is truly just most of the time a clearing it's, it's always about setting the space to get into the parasympathetic or the ventral vagal. Uh, the, and I don't mean either, or I mean like those two things in the two different contexts, meaning kind of the same thing, yeah.
1: mm-hmm.
0: getting into safety <laughs> mm-hmm. and releasing the stories, the trauma. But then, like we talked about ancestrally, it's almost like it creates that safe space within us to be able to activate or awaken or remember
2: mm-hmm. you know,
0: the things that we have been disconnected from because of our trauma responses.
2: Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly the point that I was trying to make is that I'm not saying that activations are you know, air quotes, bad. I think that we have to recognize when we leave an activation, are we purging Mm -hmm. like for, you know, extended periods of time? Because that would, that would indicate that we are still in a, in an activated state that probably is, has something to do with shared trauma. Right. Mm -hmm. And then like what you're saying is like an activation as in, um, creating a, a space of safety. And when people leave that, Um, you know, maybe even facilitate some type of like trauma discharge from their body even. And then um, when people leave that, they actually feel better. They feel inspired. They feel lighter. Lighter. They feel the true definition of like activated, right? Like they feel like they're – yeah. I think there's a a difference there. Yeah.
1: I think for me, when I think about it, I feel like that space where you get pulled out of whatever dissociation or the hyper vigilance of feeling like you have to be on edge all the time, mm-hmm. and you get <clears throat> pulled back into a much more even space within you that feels grounded, where you have clarity of thought, um, and that would be where inspiration comes in. Mm-hmm. That would be where you, yeah,
0: because you feel
2: well. You're old. you're essentially you're essentially talking about co regulation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's like. Uh, teaching others to co-regulate, to bring regulation.
1: (laughs) Well, I think about um, even in some of the session work we've done where people have moments where they um, get emotional for whatever reason um, because of something that comes up in the session or because of conversation that happens in the session where they're able to express something that they've been holding on to and how many times people walk through something, we can identify something that's been held tightly in a space and it gets unwound and they can talk about it or shed some tears over it or whatever. And how that, when they leave that space, there's like, you know, like they just feel that lightness, that like that relief, you know, Mm -hmm. like this is just continuing to affirm what y'all are saying. Like, that's what we're hoping to create in those spaces, that feeling of relief, that feeling of relinquishment of whatever was mm-hmm. holding them before they got to the space. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like when kids have a good cry, you know, they throw a fit and they scream and they cry, blah, blah, you know, and then all of a sudden once they've let it all out, it's like, they like shake it off and then go play again. You know what I mean? It's like, that's what we're talking mm-hmm. about
2: as adults. That is and the people. discharge of energy right. of trauma that they don't know how to manage.
0: Right. We need the same thing. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Exactly. We do. I tell people that all the time. Um, Because the reason we try to keep kids from having a tantrum is because it triggers us. Right. Right. Because our system is regulated and then we spark. But but we're taught to not throw tantrums. But it's a very natural unwinding process uh, of a child. Like it is just very intuitive and innate for them to thrash their bodies around to try to discharge frustration or anger that they don't know how to manage. Right. And then we try to tell them, no, keep that in. We're teaching them to literally suppress it and – hold the trauma inside of them. And so then as they become an adult, then, you know, and then they have kids and then they teach their kids not to have a temper tantrum because it triggers them because they were taught they weren't supposed to have one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like a, it's a cycle. Yeah. And
0: then we see adults who could probably use a good tantrum or two, but we have, (laughs) I'll say for myself, I throw tantrums, but because it's like, I don't know how to in, in a really safe way, it ends up doing more harm than good. And then I always hear it like you're totally throwing a tantrum right now. <laughs> you know, and it's like, I know. I know I am. But yeah, it, it's like that thing in me that really needs to to move it to just get it out and, yeah. and cry or, or yell if I have to yell into a pillow if it's going to be too disturbing. But it's like uh, I don't ever really do that and I don't really know how to do it in a safe way because – Uh, And I see this a a lot of times almost across the board, but it's like whenever we grow up and once we get past a certain age where we really do want to throw tantrums, if we don't get to, you know, the terrible twos um, (laughs) where we're learning how to measure our own strength, measure our own. It's like a dog, you know, whenever a, a dog really could produce a harmful bite if it wasn't like bite trained. Because then if anybody has pets, and you, you know what I'm talking about whenever I'm going to say, like, a dog can act like it's biting you or even wrap its jaws around you, but it knows the strength of its own bite. It, it was bite trained. Mm-hmm. So it won't ever actually, like, break your skin, <laughs> but it will, like, act like it. I know there are some dogs that if you push them enough, of course, they're going to bite, but...
2: Rio is one of them. Yeah, like Rio.
0: <laughs> Rio then, she,
2: but she she bit me whenever but all of my dogs have done this when they were puppies and i always teach them not to bite me by biting their ear back <laughs> mm.
0: yeah but even rio it's it's whenever she's playing and she feels safe and she's in her own territory and it feels like we can go for this uh you can uh, you can play tug of war with the dog and put your hand in their mouth and they're not biting you they're right. just like holding it there almost as if they were holding a, a delicate <coughs> baby chicken or an egg something that seems so delicate But it's like you see it with lions and stuff or big cats. It's like they're holding their young and it looks like kind of terrifying, but they know just the right amount of pressure. I said all this to talk about (laughs) adults throwing tantrums. And, uh, you know, if we don't get to do that as kids and we don't have structure around how to express ourselves, um, they say it can be equally as abusive as um, shutting us down. You know there can be abuse in shutting the the child down and how they're expressing, but also not creating boundaries and structure. Whenever they are expressing, it can be equally as abusive. uh, Because as adults we start learning, okay, we can use more things to feel powerful. Kids, there's all you can do is throw a tantrum. You can't use all these different things to have more power or leverage over your environment. And so as adults, you totally can. So if you don't know how to regulate with boundaries, with structure in a safe way for yourself, then you end up inevitably doing more harm than good whenever it comes to having a natural response. So I don't know if that was just like a pull the car over to the side.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to say something though. I mean, yes, I agree with everything you're saying. I, I wanted to say this to you, Danica, because you brought it up in the post that you made about this dysregulated state, this co-dysregulation. And it's on my mind because I'm like, what you shared was so true and accurate in what we've experienced. And you were saying how that people don't recognize it as co-dysregulation. They don't even recognize it as siphoning necessarily, right? If that's the word you want to use for it, because they're being trained that this is what you have to go through in the process of healing. It's going to be painful. It's going to be disruptive. It's going to look like this. And so their life starts to be all crazy and they don't think to question that it's coming from the place where the word God is being used, or it's coming from Mm -hmm. the place where there's activations happening. You know, they don't think about that. It's like, it's gotta be the chaos. It's gotta be my life. My life is what's doing this, not the place of quote unquote healing. So I'm wondering if you could share any of maybe from your own experience or your own thoughts about how we help people start to really acknowledge or be aware that their space is being affected by co-disregulation as opposed to shedding or, you Mm -hmm. know, clearing something out?
2: Hmm, this is a really good, yeah, this is a good question. The first, the first thing that was coming up for me was exhaustion, because in co-disregulation Um, and in dysregulation in general when we are in like an exacerbated like hypervigilant state and this might not even happen like in sessions with someone until months down the road you Mm -hmm. know what i mean where you're in a chronic state of like exhaustion Um, because like i said it is usually these traumatic responses are they have to be like chronically or habitually repeated over and over and over again. So like like months of session work or something like that, right? And then you get to a point of like exhaustion. Um, and this is something that I, I've been told um, before too. Like I would leave session work with like a, partic- a particular person. I'd be like, God, I'm so tired. Well, you moved a lot of energy today. We did a lot of work and you should, you should go take a nap. But anytime that I've been like in a session with y'all or – I don't know, doing work on myself, I never feel exhausted Mm -hmm. like that, you know? I've not felt – I feel like this is the same thing like the siphoning. um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel feel a little – Well, I want to say
1: something to what you're saying right now because this is something that comes up. You just said, you know – feeling exhausted, like feeling worn out, feeling wiped out from the session. And the excuse being, well, you moved a lot of energy. But did you? Because was there any emotional expression? Was there any discharge that happened on your part? Or were you just sitting, receiving a session, and a lot of shit got moved in the field? You know what I mean? I'm using Mm -hmm. air quotes for those who can't see me.
2: Well, the exhaustion actually comes from that habitual state of being hypervigilant exactly. or being paranoid or whatever you're being taught to do to cope with yep. whatever's going on, right? right? In, in these sessions, that is antithetical to healing. It's not the same thing as healing, right. Um, but it actually causes adrenal fatigue, Mm -hmm. you know? And so, but we call this energetic siphoning. Right. Mm
1: -hmm. And the reason I brought it up was because we have had people come through sessions and do session work with us where there has been an emotional expression. You know, there's been like a release of, you know, through Mm -hmm. tears or crying or whatever, and then get through the session and they're like, I feel really tired, but I also feel really calm. And it's like, well, there was an emotional release. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like when children- people say they'll, they'll cry themselves to sleep, right? Because they, they cry and cry and cry and cry and cry until they're just like, I just have to go to sleep now. I just have to rest. Like my body's tired of releasing all that. That was a lot to release that I could understand. Right. But when there's nothing, there's no release happening in the space. And then you feel like what you're talking about, Danica, and you walk away. I agree with you completely. It has to be because there's some kind of hypervigilance, vigilance or some kind of stress response coming on in the body throughout that process. And then walking away and being like, God, I need an app. You know, I need this. People like you just moved a lot of energy. And it's happened to us, too. It's happened to us in session work, too, where that feeling has been exchanged. So I think I know what you're talking about in that way. And I think that's a good example, mm-hmm. a really good example.
0: I think um, something, Danica, that you mentioned earlier, and you explained it really well. Um, I kind of want to piggyback off of what you said. You were talking about what happens to the nervous system in code dysregulation whenever somebody who has been, we call it being taken advantage of or not um, <laughs> being siphoned off of. Like whenever our nervous system is shutting down, Danica, you described our senses are diluted. Mm -hmm. You talked about all of the autonomic systems of the body going into a space where they're funneling all of their energy into the space Mm -hmm. where the trauma is being experienced
2: Uh Uh
0: or wherever it's needed. And it actually ends up taking from
1: oh, right, different right.
0: systems. And mm-hmm. I know specifically the ocular system, that's the word I'll use for it. There may be an even more scientific name. But, <laughs> you know, visually, our, we do literally get tunnel vision whenever we're in a sympathetic response. Whenever we're in fight or flight or we're in a fear response at any level, literally even the most subtle level. Uh, we lose perception in all these different ways. Like we lose our ability to perceive more information clearly. Mm -hmm. So it's like everything gets funneled into this really narrow space, not just visually, but in many layers at many levels. And so walking away from something that, and I will note that most of the time, people don't even know they're doing this to each other. Mm-hmm. Like almost always, I would say I'll give people the benefit of the doubt on this one and say they don't even realize that it's happening because people who are sending others into di- dysregulation are in dysregulation yeah. and they don't mm-hmm. realize it. Right. And they think that they're helping, but they're not, they're actually mm-hmm. trying to meet their own needs.
1: Oh dude, I was in right. so much dysregulation yeah. going in and getting quantum healing sessions back two years ago going into the space and getting a session, I was so dysregulated. My life was complete chaos all the time. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's like what all can be created in that space because I'm dysregulated. And for sure, the person giving me the session was dysregulated. Mm
0: -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I think what would happen um, is that both people walk away feeling more alive, feeling more supported, more capable, more inspired, more activated, Uh, If it was the case, which happens, and I think that, you know, we can find all kinds of labels to describe what that actually is. But I think it's just two people trying to to co-regulate. But the dysregulation and the siphoning where it's like people are like, they stole my codes. I can't see anymore. I can't. uh, My connection to God. Somebody told me one time I was having such a hard time after doing something uh, in, quote, unquote, the field that they told me I needed to do. It was like all the shit around Egypt and the Sahara Desert and the Lyran aliens or whatever. And I go into doing it and I just started learning about quantum stuff. But this person put on their Facebook, all the men need to do this. (laughs) And so I did. And I did all these things that I thought I was supposed to do or that I even thought I was doing. And for like three days, I was like, where is God? This is horrible. You know, me and Jody are like having strife and like we can't Mm -hmm. find the source of it because it's it's like – these things are simple and yet they're becoming impossible and it was all after this one thing and we talked to this person eventually and they're like well your spiritual receptors have been burned you know (laughs) she was like you know this can happen through electrical frequency part of what she was saying i'm like okay this this even to this day kind of checks out but at the same time it's like
1: but not in that what way. What was going like so on was yeah.
0: it shut my nervous system down. Right. Well, it didn't shut my nervous system down. It put it into a different state.
1: Yeah.
0: It put it into a state where I felt like I had been attacked. And mm-hmm. I wasn't able to recover from that <laughs> because I wasn't able to recover in a way that I understood because I was thrust into this artificial reality that I felt like I didn't have the words for being the quantum field. I was just learning about it. So it's like when everything around me is being described in this way that I don't understand, how am I going to defend myself because I'm relying on all these things to help me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so I'm in this dysregulated state. I'm basically shut down in the thing that makes me feel connected to God, which is feeling safe. Being safe at at every level is what makes me feel alive, abundant, connected, ready, capable. I'm ready. Bring it on. Mm -hmm. I have my support system, right? This is like where our spiritual connection lives is in this state in our nervous system. And Mm -hmm. when that's shut down, (laughs) it's described in all these different ways as my crown is closed, (laughs) you know, well, my, my crown is stolen or (laughs) my over somebody like my
1: wings, my wings have been, my wings
0: have been taken. My oversoul is being siphoned. And you know what? In all this conversation, I'm still in a place where I'm still trying to sift through, um, beings or consciousness and memory that's held in certain spaces that are actually looking for hosts. And I wouldn't even say that it's necessarily entities are everywhere looking for hosts to feed off of, but electrically, where we're seeing now, uh, and it's been measured for decades, what's going on inside of buildings that can't hold implosive wave mechanics, right? And what's happening there can create a ton of radiation. What's happening in radioactive spaces electrically cannot hold what is needed to actually be able to pass information clearly right on these waves right. so whenever we're in a space that's radioactive aka anywhere near uh, you know towers or in artificial infrastructure that's being built all over this planet or when we're
2: radioactive or whenever
0: we're radioactive or eating certain things and our diet doesn't support these ele- these electrical mechanics mm-hmm. we're not gonna feel like we can, exchange clear information. Mm-hmm. We're gonna feel depleted on many levels. Our nervous system is gonna be responding, going into tunnel vision over here, tunnel vision over here. I can't see, I can't feel. Somebody did this.
2: <laughs> well, this is this is the core of the traumatic reaction is hyperarousal, constriction, dissociation, mm-hmm. and then immobilization or helplessness. Right. Mm-hmm. That's like the core core of like the first phase of the traumatic reaction. Mm -hmm. It's like everything that you're describing there.
0: It's interesting too because in that same example that I gave of my spiritual receptors being torched, (laughs) as soon as somebody (laughs) told me that that's what was happening the next day, snapped right back into place. Because at that point, I convinced myself that I could just pray about it and – and it would be <clears throat> fixed and I learned my lesson and, you know, all these fucking spiritual
2: <laughs> I think I think that polyvagal theory and this work around the nervous system is the perfect companion for energy work because I really feel like it is mm-hmm. the modality that bridges the gap between science and energy work. Yeah. Because really, somatic work, polyvagal theory, all this stuff is a type of – energy work. Because um, trauma is not the actual event. It is the energy that's stored in the nervous system. And polyvagal Mm -hmm. theory is all about how to discharge it and bring the nervous system back into regulation by discharging hyperactive or supercharged um, energy from the nervous system. And so Mm -hmm. it is, to me, and my um, perception, a in my opinion, I think it's a type of energy work, a little bit more scientific. You know what right. I mean? But I think it's the perfect companion for this type of work because it gives us a foundation to actually build off of.
1: Yep, yeah. right, I, I, I wanted to say too because Danica, you mentioned that the example you came up with um, and what you experienced was that exhaustion whenever that code dysregulation is happening, and people may not be aware of it, thinking that's just part of the process. For myself, I was reminded as you were talking about that about years ago. Um, I told this to Bo the other day. Um, I I was like the married girl that had all the single friends. And every time I would be with all my single friends, you know, it was a hee-haw time and we were just having a good old time and all that stuff. But they were always bitching and moaning about their ex or whatever terrible relationship dynamic they were having. Um, And I mean, we were hanging out and having a time, but it was like they, on a relationship level, could not relate to me being in a marriage because they weren't in marriages. They were in broken up boyfriend, girlfriend, ex-husband, ex-wife, whatever. And I told both the other day, I said, I had to go through a process of breaking some of those things down in those relationships because it got to a point where I had one friend that we were so close. And I remember finally telling her one day, I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to talk to you anymore. And I was like because every time we talk, the only way we can relate to each other is if I will join you in talking about what I don't like about my relationship. Cuz your your relationship experience has been so terrible that it's the only way we can relate to each other, right? Mm-hmm. And so <clears throat> I got exhausted with it. It was, it was siphoning my energy. It was Mm dysregulating me because it was throwing me into a space where I was like, this is, this is how we connect. We connect around this terrible part of our lives. And I didn't want to do it It as making me feel bad. And I told Bo, I said, this happens in spiritual communities. This happens in spiritual healing spaces all the time where people who don't have experience with a certain thing, I'm going to take the relationship thing. Um, and talk about it specifically because people are going around and professing beloved this, beloved that, and all this stuff, but they themselves are not in a, an external union of any kind, you know, maybe they're working on their internal union. I don't know, but they're not in an external union. So then when they communicate with people in their space who come to them for healing who come to them for learning or anything who are in a marriage or a partnership or whatever, They Even if they're not speaking to that person's partnership or relationship, the fact that they speak into their life from a place of not knowing what it feels like to be anchored and grounded in something like that, it crosses wires with those people. And people in those relationship spaces, I would say, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say the chances are high that they're experiencing um, discomfort is the nicest word I can use. In their committed relationships because of their entertainment of the words of people who are not in relationship in that way, no matter what the teaching is, it's energetic and it can totally discombobulate someone's um, unified space with another person. And I know this is like kind of out there, but it's like I had an experience of it and it was totally affecting my relationship years ago, which the relationship was crazy anyway. But it was also like I had to kind of fill out like when I'm with these people, this is how I am. And then when I'm over here in this relationship, this is how I am. And it was like I felt like I was being pulled apart um, because I Mm -hmm. could only relate to this group of people over here by acting like my relationship didn't really matter. You know, and I could only be in my relationship acting like those friends weren't infiltrating this space. And so I'm just wondering if probably other people have experienced this in the spiritual healing community where people are talking about beloved, this beloved, that, and what I've heard and what I've seen is that people's relationships get minimized and they get told that if they're already in a marriage, if they're already in a partnership, the chances are they're actually still not in a beloved relationship and beloved, beloved, beloved. And they're being told this by people who are single And people who are single are talking about union and they mean it as an external space with some partner and it's infiltrating people's energetic space. And I think that it's actually messing with their whole, um, ability to relate to their life is what I
2: I mean, I get it. I get it. These people want to be in a relationship, right? They want to be in a – everyone wants to be in a relationship. Even people who say that they don't want to be in a relationship. I feel like on a fundamental level, humans want to be safe and loved and in a partnership. Uh And I get it. I really do. That's like –
0: yeah. People you deny that need, it's almost like being like, I don't pee or poop. (laughs) (laughs) It's like you can only – that shit will only last for so long, bro. <laughs> you're gonna have to
2: go. Yeah. So funny. But you, I cut you off. I'm sorry. Dad. No, you're fine. I was just saying that I, I get it. I understand that they are so desperately wanting and seeking and longing for a relationship like that. But everything that they're talking about is theoretical (laughs) it's hypothetical and they're trying to guide people according to this hypothesis that they've created when they've never actually had a successful relationship
1: right and (laughs) that's why i think that that is one place to look if you're not sure if the practices you are practicing or the places where you're getting information or the interactions you're having you're not sure if they're creating fracture or dis-ease in your regular life right Like if you are going and sitting in the space of a certain healer, and then when you go home to your spouse or your partner, you feel like, I hate this person. We're not, this isn't the one, or we can't get along. I can never get along with them. They're not on the same page as me. I've watched it happen so many times. It's like, it's classic cult behavior. Mm -hmm. You know, this over here is the answer. So whatever you've got going on in your life, that is not the answer. And it is working against you. And it might not even be that direct. That's the thing is that's, that's why we're talking about this because it's not going to come across direct. People aren't going to go just slam your relationships. They're going to say things like, you know, that'll be for you to figure out. That'll be for you to decide da, 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 da. but really the information they're sharing is creating some kind of, um, disruption in you. And it makes you look around at your life and feel like you got to pull yourself apart from everything. Maybe you do, mm-hmm. but maybe you don't, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And you and I have talked about this a lot, Danica, because of the things that you experienced in your own relationship and stuff because of a relationship mm-hmm. you were maintaining outside of your marriage um, with a friend who did have things to say about your mm-hmm. marriage and about the spiritual nature of it and stuff, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I do know. <laughs> um, I had a thought in my head as you were – Talking, I was preparing to say something, and then I forgot what it was because I started thinking about what you just said.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I think something too, like that gets said a lot. um, But bringing in the context of this conversation, what's said a lot is just sit with this, sit with what's been said. We've said it. We we say it in our session work. Uh, I've heard it long, yeah, years for years. And I think that that's something that um, is like going in one ear and coming out the other, because my, my experience with quantum session work is that some of the things that I heard in my first session, I didn't understand them and I let somebody say them and I spent months trying to figure out how to make them apply. And eventually they, some of the things started to fall apart. Some of the things were just spot on and made so much sense. And it it was a session where somebody was describing who I was, my origin, my purpose on earth, all that kind of shit that people think they're supposed to go to a quantum healer to get. And it was weird because, well, it is weird to me because so many people have had issues and it can be traced back to a moment where somebody's told them something and they took on the responsibility for whatever that is without even sitting and being like, do I really believe this? Is this something that I really care about? Is this something that I feel for myself or do I feel that it's important because this person and whatever I deem them to be or whatever they deem themselves to be said it was important. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something going into a space is that if, if there's not equality being, cultivated at all levels uh, sometimes whenever people move into a space with a healer they feel less than mm-hmm. in different ways and they feel in a th- they give an authority to the quote unquote healer or the person who is facilitating uh, to kind of speak into their life or give them mm-hmm. permission to do things mm-hmm. And there has to be a lot of care Mm -hmm. put into this process to clean these things up and it's really what is going to clean it up is whenever people start just sit and just sit with it you know don't take on uh the entirety of what somebody's using to describe why you're feeling drained Mm -hmm. because if you're feeling drained it doesn't always mean that there are dark forces or all kinds of reptilian beings or all kinds of insectoid beings or any sort of, it doesn't always have to be this extreme, uh, this extreme. And so sitting with it, processing it, doing what you can to practically cope, uh, can get you through the process of your body actually getting back into regulation. And then whenever there's more information, You can start letting go of, oh, maybe it's not a giant slug that's been attached to my neck and that's why I can't speak up for myself. (laughs) 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 Maybe it's just uh, something in your nervous system that that has been feeling really trapped and shut down
2: Mm -hmm.
0: and you needed movement in your body or you needed massage or you needed certain rest or activity or you needed to sing again or you needed to hum mm-hmm. or gargle some water, you know, all these different
2: things. Yeah. Can... Or maybe it's chronic trauma that you've had in the throat. Like even just using myself as an example, you know, like every time I would I would be like, oh, there's something going on in my throat. You know what I mean? But every time I would enter into a quantum session, they'd be like, oh, it's because your throat template's been ripped out, your light language and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> And like, well, actually, now it's coming up because I'm doing a lot of nervous system work. My, my birth trauma was around the throat. I had the cord wrapped around my neck when I was born. I had an ischemic event when I was born, right? And then, um, and then I had uh, vocal nodules. And then I had uh, – I just remembered this the other day, but I had a situation where I uh, had a near-death experience when I was about five or six where I choked on a piece of candy and died and was brought brought back. Oh, my
0: God.
2: And then uh, – yeah. And then another situation that came up immediately after that when I was in high school and a bully called my house phone and told, asked my mom to speak with me and then cussed me out. And I went into a state of immobilization and I couldn't speak. You know what I mean? Like yep. it recurring, recurring happen. trauma, right. but these things started to be discharged whenever I started doing nervous system work, right. right? And then, and then the memory started being recalled and I was like, oh, this is, this is, this is why, right. this is why, because I have recurring trauma around the throat that an energy that's being pent up there that needs to be released. Right.
1: And here's the thing in the, in those sessions like that, where it would come up and be like, your throat template has been you know, taken out, Stolen. someone stole <laughs> it from you, and this and that. um, You know, on some level, I guess you could technically say that's true, but the issue is,
0: or like, the, yeah, theoretically,
1: yeah, theoretically. I mean, if we yeah. want to get like really airy fairy about it, yeah, I guess it One got taken from you because of all this trauma that happened to you. It shut it down. It it, it collapsed. It it whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. But the fact of the matter is, how does that help you heal it right now? Right. Because there's nothing in there that points you to a space of going, and now we can restore this. They want to do it by, I'm going to give it back to you.
2: Right. Well, that's what I was going to say is that then we had to travel through all of these fantasy lands to go in, on a quest to find it. And then we found it and then put it back in. And I still had fucking problems.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, because you just needed to do some um, actual movement of the voice, you know, because the voice is connected to the vagus nerve. And it actually helps um, regulate the vagus nerve whenever mm-hmm. it's utilized properly. And there's an understanding that it regulates the net vagus nerve. And that increases the healing and power of the voice around the vagus nerve. You yeah. know? So it's like...
2: <laughs> Jody, I'm thinking about what you were talking about earlier about my relationship and oh, yeah. how it was affected. And I was just thinking about how when I would leave... Conversations or space shared with a particular person, um, where I was in a state of chronic dysregulation, and then having to try to transition back into my normal life, um, or or trying to integrate my normal life with this. Um, what was what I thought at the time was, or what I was being told or trained was quantum stuff, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So it's like trying to integrate my normal life with all this other fantasy stuff. Um, not that quantum, you know, when I talk, when I talk about quantum stuff now, I'm talking about like real things that can be backed by science, right. <laughs> you know? Um, but when I'm thinking about trying to integrate those, those two aspects, like having a relationship with this person who is – who was constantly like in in the fields and Avalon and all these different people and all these different lives and everything and and then having my at-home relationship with my husband and being chronically dysregulated through my relationship with this person – I'm just thinking about how that actually is what was causing the issues with my husband and I was me being chronically dysregulated and then trying to cohabitate with him. Right. You know? And (laughs) – but I can say that now that I'm no longer friends with this person, (laughs) I don't – I mean, I hate to say this. I feel like this is like kind of bitchy to say, but life is so much better. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, that's
0: what happens.
1: Yeah, it's, and that's why I'm, that's why I wanted to bring it forward because you're not the only person who's experienced that. Who knows how many people have gone into these deep spiritual journeys and it's caused them to create fractures in relationships in their lives, thinking that those relationships were the problem when in fact it was the level of dysregulation, the level of trauma that wasn't being addressed in the healer and in ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. And so then as we began to actually look at ourselves and look at, what needed to be remedied, what was valuable to us stayed and what needed to go went. And Mm -hmm. it was not the things we thought, (laughs) you know, in one instance, it would have been like, well, maybe you need to separate yourself from this relationship over here because it's it's not the organic blueprint for your life. When in reality, it was the one that was bringing the information going, this isn't organic to you. And they're the one that had to ultimately exit stage left. Because there was a realization that came forward mm-hmm. that was like something's off here.
2: Mm-hmm. I remember this person telling me like, uh, "I just don't like the way that your husband treats you." And I'm like, "What are you? What are you talking about? You don't know how he treats me. You've never even met him, mm-hmm. and I've never even said to you <clears throat> anything like that." You, I may have, you know, been like, I. Oh my god, Blaine has this thing where he leaves his clothes in the dryer and uses it uses it as a hamper. That's like that's like my ma- that's like my main complaint about this man, okay? It's like my main complaint is that he leaves his he doesn't he doesn't complete the laundry process. All right? <laughs> And so, I don't know if for me it makes me feel unsafe. No, I'm just kidding. But, um,
1: well, hold on. It's hold like on my it. main
2: complaint, but, but that was something like I may have had a small complaint with this person about something like that. Like, I'm stressed out right now because this happened. Mm-hmm. And then that two months down the road gets turned into I don't like the way that he stresses you out. I don't like the way he treats you. That plants seeds of discord and doubt in people, right. you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Right. And there's times when that, that kind of protection is actually warranted. You know, there's times whenever somebody in your life close to you is like, I really don't like the way that this is going because Hey, it's actually dangerous and and all that. But if we're talking about the laundry or if we're talking about the fact that he doesn't really get the work that you do and you guys just agree to disagree or whatever, then that's not a safety issue.
2: There's a good reason why Blaine didn't understand the work that I was involved in because nobody fucking understands that type of work because it's imaginary.
1: Well, and I want to say this too, because it's erroneous to think that you're going to be in a relationship where there aren't challenges, where there aren't grievances, where there aren't some kind of like, I'm really annoyed by this. I don't like this. You know, it's like, again, one of these falsities of how relationships work and especially in spiritual situations. I think there's a place where you can come together and you can work it out and hopefully it's um, whole enough between you that you can talk it out and come to a place of discharging any trauma that comes up between you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, that's what you're looking for.
2: That's
0: union.
1: That yeah, is what it is.
2: Absolutely. But, and people ask me this all the time. Like Blaine and I have been together for almost 20 years. Yeah, You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, it's a lot of recommitment. It's a lot of forgiveness and patience and conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. That's what union is. You know, of course, I would tell someone that they need to leave a relationship if they're in an abusive relationship, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or their life is in danger, they're being hurt, they're being abused in some way. Absolutely, I would support that. Mm-hmm. But I do not support going around telling people who are in a marriage or in a relationship who are (laughs) experiencing very normal and natural snags between two people because no two people are ever going to be exactly alike. You're going to have disagreements. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go around and be like, they're failing their initiations miserably and (laughs) this is not your beloved.
1: Uh, Oh, man. Well, here's the thing about relationships. Here we are on the side of the road talking about relationships. But here's the thing about relationships. Like, if you don't heal your trauma before you go link up with somebody and commit yourself to them, then you're going to have to do it in the relationship for sure. That's you know? what Blaine and I did. Right.
2: But we started dating when we were 16, so of course we had shit to work <laughs> well, through. Right. We was kids. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. And a lot of people just get into relationships and they haven't – addressed the things that are cyclical in them that are traumatized in them, the places in them that need um, repair, need love. And we haven't lived in a world that really promotes that much until recently. And so then they go get in relationships and then they, you know, they're ready to dump it every time it gets crazy. Now, here's the thing. If the other person, like you said, Danica is abusive in that space, or if you are abusive in that space, that mm-hmm. might not be a healthy dynamic for you. You might want to take a step back and reconsider that alignment.
0: Yeah. That's not a healthy dynamic right. for you.
1: <laughs> right. But if you're in a space with somebody who's willing to like, everybody's like they, they're willing to do the work. No, look, if they're just willing to acknowledge when they screw up and they're willing to hear you out whenever you have certain feelings and you guys can have conversations around stuff that comes up through the relationship and work it out. That's what, Union is that's what that's what
2: f- that's what friendships are that's exactly. what relationships are that's what community is this is what this is literally what human interaction is uh-huh.
1: <laughs> right. right and people are looking for this mysterious connection that's going to be a knight in shining armor saving the damsel in distress and that's all you need to know about the fact that it's bullshit because if he's prince charming that's a clue right there. If he's, if you're looking for Prince Charming, you're saying you want to be charmed. So you want to stay under a spell some kind of way.
0: I think this really gonna work. I didn't mean to cut you off. It's okay. I think this really speaks to our relationship with God as well. Like our personal relationship with God, because everything that we're describing about interpersonal relationships with each other is also reflected in the space. I mean, the things that we have to do to come to solution for any disruption or anything that's been disagreed upon or causing dis-ease between us is the exact same thing that's required in our relationship with ourselves and with God.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: It's like (laughs) in order to find solution for uh, issues that we're having with one another, we have to have a conversation about it. Or take space and then have a conversation about it and a lot of times we're trying to do this with each other and we we're not even doing it with ourselves we're not even doing it with god and i think the point of healing and how it came to be that we help each other through healing is learning how to constantly remind ourselves and one another where our power actually is and how powerful we are and what we have access to right now. Mm -hmm. And I think what's happening as these worlds are developed, fantasy worlds, artificial realities and otherwise um, like I experienced with um, we've talked about it on this podcast too. Like I experienced with my spiritual receptors being burned or whatever it's like, Mm -hmm. I had to go back to that person and seek remedy from them. And they gave me the solution Mm -hmm. and it wasn't something that they said, here's how you can deal with this right here, right now. It was, hopefully this holds up. If not, come back to me. That kind of thing. And I think there's something very powerful about <laughs> creating a space where people can see what they're capable of. Yeah. And where we see new, new horizons of what we're capable of with them. And what we're all capable of in our relationships with god and feeling connected to our source or feeling like we know where we come from we have a sense of belonging a sense of support community we feel like we're ready to take on new challenges i think that was one of the biggest shifts that i've seen in people that we have worked with um or friends that i have that are doing this work and yes we've worked with them but uh, even far between sessions, it's like people are doing their own work anyway.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And one of the biggest shifts that I felt for myself and also seen in others is people saying, I feel like it's not that the hard things stop happening. It's that I can deal with them now. Mm-hmm. And I know that points to like coping and stuff, but well,
1: it's, that's it's actually building capacity is what they call that. That's what I was going to
2: say. <laughs> that, yeah, that's building nervous system capacity.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. through the process of yeah. regulation right. and discharging energy. You can hold more.
0: And that's the whole thing about coming online and inactivation. You can hold more of your life's purpose, and now you're aligning to your highest organic timeline. We still talk about this, and I think it'd be even beneficial to, to understand like what we're talking about in that sense of like living your highest organic timeline or even shifting timelines. Mm-hmm. And we talked about it. Those things mm-hmm. are based on our state of being now. Mm-hmm. And whenever we are actively doing work to shift our experience here and now, we are literally changing our timelines mm-hmm. and we're anchoring in the things that we are going to experience in that state of being if it's maintained right. or more frequently maintained.
2: Mm-hmm. And what you were saying, Bo, about and Jody, about building capacity um, in the nervous system, which basically just means that you can manage stress better without taking it on because you're not so traumatized anymore. You have discharged a lot of that supercharged energy from the nervous system. That is also embodiment, though, because mm-hmm. because whenever we are experiencing a traumatic reaction whether it's even just accumulated stress you know what i mean mm-hmm. even if it's just that it our nervous system is telling us that it's not safe in our body right and so when we begin to build that capacity um like you're saying jody it allows us to come back into our body because we're facilitating safety in the body
1: mm-hmm.
2: right so this is a conversation around embodiment so th- And this goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think that this work with the polyvagal theory um, is the perfect companion for embodiment work, which is what quantum work is supposed to be. Mm
0: -hmm. People who who have been doing polyvagal stuff or nervous system work for years, or if you're listening to this, you're probably sitting here rolling your eyes being like, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Or like cheering, being like, yes, (laughs) yes, yes,
1: yes. I think it's just brilliant to be able to have this conversation and bring these things together in this way that's what i was saying the other day talking about this practical spirituality it's like there is this spiritual essence there is this place in us that wants to connect with god and if you have an, an issue with the word god you know okay but what you're looking for is that place of peace that place of love that place of release that place of space right? Where you're not being run by your thoughts and you can feel more deeply. And that exists within our own system. Mm -hmm. It is not outside of us. Now, this is not the same thing as the new age teaching that is like, you know, I am God in some egocentric kind of way. It is literally about the fact that that space is within us. It does reside within us. And we are working our way back home, into that Mm -hmm. place of union, (laughs) into that place of relationship with that aspect of ourselves Mm -hmm. and with God, because that's where we can make connection, you know?
2: Well, what I usually tell people is that the consciousness that we're putting back together through this work of embodiment, or we sometimes call it centripetal force, soul cultivation and soulment, that part of us, that consciousness is what comes from God. So that's why I always tell people we can only come to God through the self because we have to cultivate that within ourselves in order to meet God there.
0: Mm -hmm. This is reminding me of masculine and feminine healing because, and I thought of it earlier, um, but whenever we mentioned, because Jody says this, is that the masculine energy is represented by the nervous system. And the cues that we have on whether or not we feel safe or not. Wait, I just was rhetorical, or wait, redundant. <laughs> whether or not we feel safe or not. <laughs> that was redundant.
2: I didn't, I didn't catch it. Did Did you say masculine energy? Is that what you're saying? I said, ma-
0: uh, okay. yeah, I said masculine because it makes sense that whenever that is regulated, we feel safe. Mm-hmm and it's also bringing up the feminine too um it, it being both because you know what we feel whenever our nervous system is dysregulated has been called dark feminine attack or dark mother attack the inverted feminine and it's like all this separation pain unworthiness disempowerment totally defenseless and everything in this life and world is against me. And I'm, I deserve it. That feeling, we call it like the dark mother, the artificial life, the anti-life basically. Um, but not only bringing that union into our bodies would look like a regulated nervous system. So we feel safe to feel the entirety of our experience. And so we're feeling like that feminine quality, Uh we're able to fully feel and express according to the law, which Uh would be represented by that masculine structure. It's like we feel safe enough to actually feel, to actually Uh let ourselves feel the full spectrum of the human experience, but also the full spectrum of our divinity, which is all of the higher levels of, or I guess deeper levels of peace and joy and connection and creation, clarity,
1: confidence, stability. So essentially the attributes, not the personification, because I know we've talked about this already in other podcasts that people want to use to personify God as mother, father, and try to, create a new relationship but the attributes of those things that we've called masculine and feminine holy mother holy father people have done those things are actually found in the singular space of a regulated nervous system yep that's where we go to get it that's
2: a quote Mm -hmm. that's
0: a quote man let's make a (laughs) t-shirt
1: Yeah. Isn't it incredible? And, and again, those are things that you could say to certain people and they just get irate about it and they still want God to be elusive. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's in that space within us that we make contact with the attributes that we so long to feel. It's Mm -hmm. like, even when people have said they've had experiences with the Holy mother or with the Holy father, what they're saying is that they had a moment of clarity because they were pulled out of a dysregulated state into a more regulated state. And there was capacity and openness for them to experience what we call God,
0: Mm -hmm. you know, and you feel held, you feel nurtured, you feel taken care of, and you feel like you have the wind in your sails. And I think that's uh, like, Jody, you told me whenever we first met, that's a natural state that we have. That is our most natural state. And, you know, we've even said it in the podcast that you're talking about is like, Holy mother, Holy father. It may be a part of the journey for, uh, you, I know it was for me to, yeah, to nice. come to learn to, how to come back into relationship. And there, there's a, there's a way that we really talk about that parent child relationship, but it's um, just source. It's our source. Mm-hmm. And if we feel that that is divine, it's how do we understand that we are a child of the divinity that carries attributes that are indeed just as divine, right. direct, genetic expressions of that divinity and how do we live in this fallen reality as a child of god (laughs) well uh (laughs) that's where we get the quantum shit show (laughs) (laughs) because this world doesn't uh like those uh laws it seems it seems Mm -hmm. that the more we actually stand in our own divinity and the expression of that the more regulated we actually are the more this world seems to actually have a problem with that. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean that it has power over us, but we start to see where the structures that we relied on to stay in our wounds,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they fall apart, which literally is talking about being in heaven means the crumbling of the, the earth, the end of the mm-hmm. world is when we go to heaven. So when we're regulated, (laughs) the things that rely on us being in fight or flight or survival mode or disempowered or shut down, submissive, Mm -hmm. they start to fall apart. This is the whole thing about the injection agenda is that (laughs) people feel like we're relying on it because we're so freaking disempowered, but it's literally everything that is backwards in this world is dependent on us being in submission to it. It literally would fall apart. It doesn't mean we have to overcompensate and start like burning things down in our lives, but you know, it happens naturally, like on its own, things literally gently fall away. The purge lasts for a couple of days. We feel better. Uh, We don't get stuck in it and we're actually able to create things and be inspired and move towards seeing it become a reality Mm -hmm. whenever we can do these practical things to just deal with the trauma that we're experiencing coming to the surface right now. It's just the body saying, Hey, I need your attention. I need your attention. I don't feel safe. And there's so many ways to get present, get in our bodies and regulate. Yep.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: That's where you see abundance coming from. That's where you see people's lives changing right and it can i feel like it can be coupled with
1: which that's such a good point because listen this is one place where people might not even understand that they are operating in a code dysregulating space but it's like look at everything in your life around you do you feel more inspired in your life are things moving progressively forward in your life? Is there more opportunity opening up to you in your life? Is there um, a a bigger flow of resources in your life? Is there creative ideas coming into your space? Mm -hmm. If that is not happening and you're doing the healing work, I'm using air quotes, then you might be doing healing work in a space that's actually re-traumatizing you. Because yep. in real healing, that relinquishment, that freedom, that lightness that comes in is going to begin to create flow in your mm-hmm. life,
2: mm-hmm. And because you're redefining what makes you feel safe. It's not according to your trauma anymore.
0: Right. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad you brought that up.
1: It's what's yeah. happened in our life. It's what, it's what has always been the telltale for me. You know, It's like when you are in a safe place and you feel the safety in your space, um, whether it's through your own ability to self-regulate or especially through the co-regulation with others, it should be amplifying good things in your life. Mm -hmm. It should be bringing more harmony, more peace, more joy to you, all of that. And if that's not happening and you're doing the healing work, you may need to look at where you're going to get your healing. Mm
2: -hmm. it
0: might not be the space so Mm -hmm. yeah well do we feel like we've said all we have to say
2: (laughs) and on that note
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you guys for listening